With Mafia Definitive Edition right around the corner, we here at Suggestive Gaming figured now would be a good time to take a trip back to the mean streets of organized crime with the story of the Mafia trilogy as it stands today. Do note that due to Mafia 3's open world and branching nature, the timeline of its events are somewhat variable, but I'll do my best to present the story as accurately as possible. Now, without further ado, this is what you need to know about Mafia. Our story begins in the year 1930 in the U.S. city of Lost Heaven, where we meet taxi driver Tommy Angelo. On his shift, Tommy is surprised by two men, Paulie and Sam, who unbeknownst to him are members of the Salieri organized crime family. He is forced to help the men escape an attack by the rival Morello family and drive them to a restaurant which he learns is owned by the family's Don Enio Salieri. Salieri thanks Tommy for his assistance and offers him a favor from the family in return. This favor is cashed in sooner than expected when Tommy is attacked the next day by the Morello family who tracked him down, believing him to be an associate of the Salieri's. Tommy returns to the restaurant where the Salieri's help him take out his attackers. After this, Tommy's employers discover the damage to his cab, and after determining that it was crime-related, he is swiftly terminated from his taxi job. Due to the economy being in recession, Tommy reaches out to Don Salieri for potential employment in the family, which he is granted, and he begins doing jobs for them, working his way up the ranks. Over the next few years, the Salieri's and Morello's rivalry becomes more and more heated, with Tommy being tasked to carry out several attacks on them. Now in the year 1932, Tommy meets and falls in love with a woman named Sarah, the daughter of the restaurant's bartender. This newly formed relationship instills a new sense of morality on Tommy, who begins to question his own actions. This reaches a new height when he is instructed to kill a friend of Sarah's, Michelle, who is an informant working for Morello's brothel. He learns that her intentions were good, having needed money to pay for her brother's medical bills. Tommy secretly goes against his orders from Salieri and allows her to leave the city, commanding her to never let it be known that she survived the attack. Tommy's moral ambiguity takes another hit as Salieri orders a hit on his right-hand man, Frank Coletti, after it is learned that he had been providing information to the authorities on the family's financial crimes. When Tommy finds Frank, he learns that he was forced into turning informant to protect his own family. Tommy again allows his targets escape, helping Frank and his family leave for Europe in a plane in exchange for the evidence Frank carried against the Salieri's. Three years later, in 1935, Tommy and Sarah are now married with a daughter, and Salieri has declared an open war on the Morellos after a failed assassination attempt is carried out on the former. Tommy is again tasked with weakening their ranks, going after and eliminating powerful Morello associates, including a corrupt city councillor, as well as Morello's own brother, despite him luckily skating several attempts on his life. Finally, Tommy, along with Polly and Sam, find Don Morello and are able to eliminate their rival once and for all. Now in the year 1938, the Salieri family has gained full control over the city. Before a job, Polly pulls Tommy and Sam aside to ask for their help in robbing a bank behind the Don's back, knowing it to be a sure thing, but the pair refuse. However, when Tommy and Polly steal a shipment of imported cigars for the Don, they find the crates secretly contain a cache of diamonds as well. Believing the Don to be doing his own workings behind their backs, Tommy agrees to scout out the bank with Polly, who takes him there using a very speedy route. Follow me. Take the train. Name Fog. So this is it. After developing their plan, the two are able to successfully pull off the heist, going their separate ways until the heat is off. 
The next day, Tommy goes to Polly's apartment to collect his share, but instead finds his partner dead in a pool of his own blood. Shortly after, Tommy hears from Sam, who asks him to meet at a nearby art gallery. There, the two meet, and Sam reveals that after learning of the bank heist, he ratted Tommy and Polly out to Salieri, who ordered their deaths. Sam also explains that the Don hid the diamonds from Tommy after losing confidence in him for failing to kill Michelle and Frank. Tommy shoots his way through Sam's lackeys, eventually reaching his former friend who warns Tommy that he will now be forced to live the rest of his life in fear of Salieri. Tommy then kills Sam and flees to Europe with his wife and daughter. He returns to the U.S. shortly after, however, meeting with a Lost Heaven police detective, Norman, whom he tells his story, agreeing to testify against his former associates to land them in jail, where they hopefully won't be able to come after him. After the trial, Don Ennio Salieri is sentenced to life in prison, and Tommy is given eight years under protective custody before being released into the witness protection program with his wife and daughter, where they are moved under new identities to a city on the other side of the country, Empire Bay, to live out the rest of their lives, but never without Salieri's threat looming over Tommy. After Tommy's betrayal, a low-level mobster named Marco Rossetto arrives in Lost Heaven, where he meets his uncle Vincenzo who was the Salieri family's firearms provider. Vincenzo tells Marco to head to Empire Bay, since the cops are now coming down hard on the family in Lost Heaven. In Empire Bay, Marco meets with Henry Tomasino, whom he asks for help in tracking down Tommy Angelo. After working for him a bit, Henry agrees to introduce Marco to Carlo Falcone, whose family can help him on his quest for vengeance. Marco works for Falcone and earns his trust, eventually being tasked with robbing a rival family, the Moretti's jewelry store. He does so, narrowly escaping the police, but Falcone still wants him to do more jobs before he agrees to help him. However, during his next assignment, Marco is set up and captured by the police and is sent to prison shortly after. Inside, Marco meets a fellow inmate named Marcus, whom he helps smuggle drugs around the prison in exchange for a counterfeit temporary discharge paper, which Marco uses to escape from the prison. Outside, he meets with Falcone, who he asks to use his influence to get Marco permanently discharged from prison. Falcone agrees in exchange for one final favor, bombing a casino owned by a rival family led by their Don, Frank Vinci. Marco successfully plants a bomb in the casino and destroys it, and Falcone makes good on his deal to get him discharged from prison. After doing more work for Falcone, Marco learns that he had kidnapped one of the Vinci crime family's associates, named Mauricio, who might have information on Tommy Angelo's current whereabouts. Marco interrogates Mauricio, who reveals that Frank Vinci has been working with the Lost Heaven Police Department to set up a location for Tommy to hide out. Vinci's men then show up to rescue Mauricio, but Marco kills all of them before heading out to find Falcone. Angered at this, Falcone instructs Marco to kill Frank Vinci, but he refuses, knowing that this will eliminate his only lead to locating Tommy. Falcone then warns Marco that if he fails to kill Vinci, his family will come after him. Marco then visits Frank Vinci at his mansion, and he reveals Tommy's location to him, a cemetery in Empire Bay. The next day, Marco arrives at the cemetery and begins to search for Tommy Angelo. However, he soon reaches a dead end, and with no sign of Tommy, he realizes he was set up by Vinci. As he goes to leave, Marco is trapped by the Empire Bay Police Department and brutally shot dead, leaving the Salieri search for Tommy Angelo dead in its tracks. In Empire Bay in 1943, we find Sicilian-born Vito Scaletta committing petty crimes with his best friend Joe Babaro. They are soon caught by police during a theft, but Joe is able to escape, leaving Vito behind to be arrested. 
Vito is offered to join the U.S. Army in lieu of imprisonment, which he takes and ships off to Sicily to liberate the town of San Celeste, but he and his squad are captured by the Italians. However, before they are executed, the head of the Sicilian mob, Don Callo, arrives and asks them to stand down and trust the Allied forces. The Italian forces trust the Don and comply, leaving a lasting impact on Vito, envious of the respect the Don commands. Two years later, in 1945, Vito is given a one-month medical leave to return home, after being wounded in battle and being awarded the Purple Heart. He reunites with Joe Babaro, who takes him to his associate, Giuseppe, who forges discharge papers for Vito, effectively ending his services with the U.S. Army. Shortly after his return, Vito learns that before his father died, he had incurred a $2,000 debt with a loan shark, who has been harassing the family to collect. Vito's mother then recommends that he speak to his father's former employer, Derek Papalardo, for a potential employment at the docks. Vito does so and begins his menial task of stacking crates, but soon realizes he's not cut out for that line of work. As he attempts to leave, Derek offers him a different kind of job, shaking down the dock workers, which Vito does, earning him a bit of money and new job opportunities. Through Derek and Joe, Vito is introduced to Henry Tomasino, who is working with the Clementi crime family. Henry gives Vito and Joe a job of stealing gas stamps and selling them to nearby gas stations, which they successfully do. Afterwards, they are given more work for the Clementi family, including robbing a jewelry store, but when they do, it is robbed by another gang, led by Brian O'Neill. Vito and Joe are able to escape with the jewelry, but the police arrive and arrest O'Neill and his men. Having proven themselves, Henry tasks Vito and Joe with killing Sidney Penn, a businessman who has stopped paying Don Clementi. They do so, and when they return, Vito is awarded $2,000 for his part, which he gives to his sister Francesca to pay off the loan shark. However, shortly after, Vito's crimes catch up to him, as he is arrested for his part in the theft of the gas stamps. We'll be back after a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action-adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you have, you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the Gaming Blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now. When Joe learns of Vito's arrest, he contacts Clementi associate Luca Garino, who has him find the gas station attendant who ratted Vito out to convince him not to testify. Joe finds and chases the attendant through a train station, but when he captures him, he learns of a bigger rat named Richie Mazzeo, who is lined up to provide information taking down the entire Clementi crime family. Joe tells Luca about this, and Luca asks Joe to find and kill Richie. Joe is able to follow two detectives to find him, and he attempts to escape, but Joe chases him down and kills him, believing that there will now be no evidence to convict Vito. However, Joe soon learns that Vito is found guilty at trial anyway and is sentenced to 10 years in prison. Angered at this, Joe barges into the Clementi-run Freddy's bar to confront Luca. Luca does not take this kindly and orders a hit on Joe. Henry learns about this and calls Joe to warn him about the hit, and for his safety, Joe leaves Empire Bay and hides out for the next five years. In prison, Vito again meets Brian O'Neill, who seeks payback for his arrest, which he still blames on Vito. 
Vito then turns to Leo Galanti, the right-hand man of Don Frank Vinci, who is serving his own prison sentence for fixing boxing fights. Leo teaches Vito how to fight, and with his training, he is able to take out O'Neill, eventually killing him during a prison scrap. Now without the threat of O'Neill looming over him, Vito lives out the rest of his sentence, bonding with Leo and learning about how the various Mafia families control Empire Bay. Now in the year 1950, Joe returns to Empire Bay with a very convincing disguise. With the help of Eddie Scarpa, he begins to work for the Falcone crime family, but the hit on him from Luca and the Clementi family still hangs over him. While working for the Falcones, Joe meets Rocco, the family's underboss, who promises to speak to Luca about calling off the hit if Joe continues to work for him. However, Joe soon learns that Rocco is planning a hostile takeover of the Falcone family, and at a meeting at the Garden of Eden Gentlemen's Club, Rocco attempts to assassinate Don Carlo Falcone, but Joe and Eddie Scarpa prevent this, chasing Rocco down and killing him. Afterward, Falcone repays Joe by setting up a meeting with Luca to call off the hit, and when the two reunite, Joe greets his former associate with a middle finger. The next year, in 1951, Vito is released from prison early thanks to his connection with Leo Galanti, and outside he meets back up with Joe and the pair begin to work for Eddie Scarpa, who is now the new underboss of the Falcone family. As his first big assignment, Vito is tasked with killing Luca Garino, which he does, earning him the respect of Don Falcone, who makes him and Joe made men in the family. Later, Joe and Vito are sent to the Empire Arms Hotel to kill Don Alberto Clemente, and the pair pose as cleaners, also with very convincing disguises, to plant a bomb in the conference room where the Don is to hold a meeting. When they detonate the bomb, however, the Don isn't in the room and survives the explosion, causing the pair to chase him into the street where Joe finds and kills him. With the Clemente family now dissolved, Henry approaches Vito in search of new employment. They meet with Eddie Scarpa, who agrees to allow Henry to work for the Falcone family if he proves himself by killing Leo Galanti. Vito rushes to Leo to warn him before Henry arrives to carry out the hit, but when the latter does, Leo is able to make a deal with Henry to disappear to Lost Heaven as a favor to Vito. Vito then drives Leo to the train station and sees his old friend off. Vito's newly found comfortable life of wealth gained from working for the Falcone family is soon stripped away from him when the remnants of the O'Neill gang, now led by a man named Mickey Desmond, set his house on fire while he sleeps inside. Vito is able to escape to find Joe, and the pair find Desmond and kill him, but Vito nonetheless lost everything in the fire, including the stash of all of his earnings. Desperate to re-earn some money and get back on his feet, Vito agrees to help Henry and Joe with a drug deal, despite his own personal objections to the business. Henry takes them to meet with loan shark Bruno Levine to obtain a loan to purchase the drugs. After getting the money, the trio meet with some Empire Bay triads to make the drug deal. Afterwards, Falcone learns about the deal and demands a cut, lowering their profits significantly. Additionally, while the three are meeting up in Lincoln Park, Joe and Vito find Henry being brutally hacked to death by the triads, who take the money from the drug deal as they escape. Joe and Vito chase the Triads to the Red Dragon restaurant, where they fight their way through Triad forces to find their enforcer, Zay Yu Wong, who reveals that they had killed Henry after learning that he was a federal informant. Joe refuses to believe him and shoots Wong, killing him and sparking a war between the Triads and the Mafia families of Empire Bay. Still without their money to pay back the loan to Bruno, Vito and Joe start to look for other work. Joe finds a contract hit from a crime family out of town, and the pair take it on. They find the target living in Empire Bay, and the two approach the man, none other than Tommy Angelo. They deliver the message that Salieri sends his regards before Joe shoots him, leaving him dead on his front lawn, his penance for betraying his family finally paid in full. 
Afterwards, Vito heads back to Derek at the docks, who gives him some work of handling his striking workers. As he does so, one of them recognizes him and asks why Vito would work for Derek after his hand in killing his father. This revelation causes Vito to lose control and kill Derek and his men, stealing his money to take to pay off Bruno. Vito goes to meet with Joe, but finds him missing. After asking around, he learns that Joe had been taken to be questioned by Don Frank Vinci. Vito finds and rescues Joe, and the two escape to take their money to pay off Bruno. The next day, Vito is contacted by a newly returning Leo Galanti and is scolded for igniting the war with the Triads. Leo hopes that working with the Triads to kill Don Carlo Falcone will help stop the bloodshed on the streets, and asks Vito to carry out the plot in exchange for his protection, which he reluctantly agrees to do. Vito heads to the observatory to eliminate Falcone. There he is ambushed and held at gunpoint by none other than his own best friend, Joe. Falcone reveals that he had offered Joe a powerful position in exchange for his cooperation in taking down Vito before he could kill him. But Joe quickly double-crosses Falcone and helps his friend take the Don down. After killing Falcone, Vito and Joe leave the observatory to meet with Leo outside. Vito enters a car with Leo while Joe is escorted to another, and as they drive off, Leo reveals that the deal Vito made for protection only covered himself, and the car Joe is in separates from them. Vito is then forced to wonder about his friend's fate, as he is taken by Leo to his new life outside of Empire Bay. Now before we continue on with our story, I do quickly ask that if you are enjoying this video to please click that subscribe button. Analytics show that over 97% of our viewers are not subscribed. These videos take a lot of work and that one click on the subscribe button helps us more than you know. Thank you for your time, now let's continue on. In 1968, in the southern U.S. city of New Bordeaux, U.S. Army veteran Lincoln Clay returns home from the Vietnam War to meet with his adoptive brother, Ellis. Together they drive to a bar owned by Sammy Robinson, the man who adopted Lincoln as a child as well as the leader of the black mob. They also meet with their priest, Father James Ballard, who helped raise Lincoln while he was still in St. Michelle's Orphanage. Lincoln quickly learns that Sammy has fallen into debt to the Don of the Marcano mob family, Sal Marcano and he and Ellis agree to work with the mafioso's son, Giorgi, as well as an Irish mobster named Danny Burke to rob the Federal Reserve using the cover of the city's Mardi Gras celebration. The group's plan goes off with only minimal issues, and they return to the bar with the stolen cash to celebrate. However, when the Marcanos arrive, Giorgi pulls out a pistol and shoots Lincoln in the head. Unbeknownst to the Marcanos, Lincoln narrowly survives the attack, and is forced to watch the rest of the mob family murder Ellis and Danny before the Don himself shoots Sammy to death. Georgie then sets the restaurant ablaze as the Marcanos leave with the entire sum of cash stolen from the reserve. Lincoln is saved from the burning building by Father James, who takes him back to the church and nurses him to health. When he's back on his feet, Lincoln finds that his former CIA handler from the war, John Donovan, has arrived in the city, and the two set out to work together to take the Marcano family down. Lincoln starts by recruiting help from three local crime bosses, Haitian boss Cassandra, Irish mob boss and father of Lincoln's heist partner Danny, Thomas Burke, and last but certainly not least, none other than Vito Scaletta, revealing his fate after Leo helped him escape Empire Bay led him to New Bordeaux. Lincoln then works to take control of the city from the Marcano family, seizing control of their criminal enterprises and assigning them to his new underbosses, whom he either earns favor or frustration. During his mission to take down the Marcanos, Lincoln finds himself occupied with a few other distractions as well. 
one of which involves Lincoln working with a civil rights group in the Sinclair Parish, just outside of New Bordeaux, to capture evidence on the area's racist sheriff, Slim Beaumont, that leads to his arrest and prosecution in federal court. Another involves a drug-using murderous cult that operates within the remains of Sammy's bar that are hell-bent on birthing the Seed, who will rule humanity after the forthcoming apocalypse. Lincoln is able to find the cult's leadership and dispose of them, bringing an end to this madness. Lincoln's largest distraction comes from Donovan, who discovers that his former CIA counterpart, Connor Aldridge, has obtained a nuclear warhead and has taken it to a deserted island off the coast of Mexico. Lincoln and Donovan head to the island, and after fighting their way through Aldridge's base full of mercenaries, Donovan is able to confront and kill Aldridge, and the pair are able to deliver the warhead to the American government before leaving the island and returning to their main objective. Lincoln eventually learns that Marcano has all of his money tied up in a casino he intends to use to go legitimate and leave the crime syndicate. Having taken down most of Marcano's men and gained control of the entire city, Lincoln decides to finally go after the man himself and heads to the casino's construction site to find it. There, Lincoln is met with a massive amount of opposition from Marcano's men, and his son Giorgi makes his last stand before Lincoln kills him, finally avenging the attempt on his own life. After this, Lincoln makes his way to the top of the casino and finds Sal Marcano in his penthouse. Despite the bad blood between the two, they share a drink and talk about their lives. Marcano admits that he doesn't regret killing Lincoln's family, and the conversation ends as Lincoln stands up. Lincoln is then given the choice to either kill Marcano himself or spare him, which causes the man to take his own life, fearing Lincoln will do it soon anyway. Either way, Lincoln leaves the casino, having caused Sal's death and finally avenging his family. Outside, Lincoln is greeted by none other than Leo Galanti, who informs him that the Commission, the governing body of the Greater American Mafia, has been watching his actions and fears that he will be coming for them next. Lincoln assures Leo that his crusade is over, and while Leo respects his actions, advises him to move on. Leo then gives Lincoln permission to continue running his operation as long as he cuts the commission in, just as Sal did before him. Lincoln then meets with Donovan and Father James at the church, where James urges Lincoln to leave his life of crime behind him, while Donovan instead believes he should continue to preside over the criminal underbelly of the city, preferably alone. Donovan then leaves the city, and Lincoln exits the church to make his decision on his future. At this point, Lincoln can choose one of three fates. One option entails calling a meeting with his underbosses in which he declares that he plans on ruling New Bordeaux on his own before killing each of them. However, when he goes to leave in his car, he turns the key and it explodes. It is later revealed that Father James planted the car bomb, believing that Lincoln would only let the power corrupt him more and more, becoming the new Sal Marcano. Another option includes Lincoln continuing to rule New Bordeaux, but this time with the help of his underbosses. Although Father James still disowns Lincoln, he rules benevolently, working to rebuild the city as well as donating to various charities and hospitals to help the population. However, this all comes at a great personal price, as various addictive vices take him over. Lincoln's final option includes taking Father James's advice and leaving the city. Afterwards, he moves around the country, drifting between odd jobs for various years, but never quite settling down or finding his place in the world. Regardless of Lincoln's decision and subsequent future, his actions in New Bordeaux spawn an investigation from the FBI, led by Agent Jonathan McGuire. Years later, in 1971, a U.S. Senate Select Committee on Intelligence calls a hearing with John Donovan to uncover the truth about Lincoln's actions as well as Donovan's own participation in them. 
At the end of the hearing, Donovan sidetracks the discussion by asking the chairman of the committee, Senator Richard Blake, where he was when President John F. Kennedy was assassinated. Despite Blake failing to see any relevance in the question, Donovan pulls out a pistol and aims it at him, revealing that he had learned that Sal Marcano was part of a group of conspirators that planned the assassination of the president, explaining Donovan's desire to help Lincoln take the family down. Donovan then explains that once Sal was dead, he was able to recover his files, and when he looked through them, he found Blake's name mentioned several times, implicating the senator in the conspiracy to kill President Kennedy. Donovan then looks to the cameras and those in the courtroom and warns that he's not finishing his work with Senator Blake, but rather just getting started. He then executes the senator in his seat and laughs as he walks out of the courtroom. While this is the last we see of John Donovan and his own personal crusade through the world of organized crime, something tells me this won't be the last time we live through the tale of someone's rise through the ranks for their own goals. Like Lincoln Clay, like Vito Scaletta, like Marco Rossetto, like Tommy Angelo. Hopefully one day we can add another name to the family and return to the world of mafia once again. Hey everybody, thank you so much for watching this video, and of course, please remember to click the like button if you enjoyed it, subscribe for future story videos, and leave a comment on what you'd like to see covered next. Also, huge thanks to those folks on screen, our Patreon supporters and YouTube channel members, for making the productions of these videos possible in the first place. If you'd like to help support getting these videos out faster and more in-depth, please consider supporting as well. Either way, thank you so much for the support and for watching, of course, and I'll see you guys soon.